get off the bus and experience what most only read about. Uh, we experienced some worship like that just a few minutes ago. The power of God when his people come together, exalting and lifting up his name. We have a Bible that many of you have in your hands. Some of you use your mobile device. But it's full of stories of God's intervention. It's full of accounts of where God showed up. It's full of, um, of records of where he moved in a powerful way. And our hope is this, that it's more for you and me than to just read it, but to experience it, to see firsthand that the God that did this in here can do it for us, with us, and where we can stand and tell the stories of what God has done. And so our hope is this, as you get off the bus this year, and you can experience what most only read about. And in some way, in some way, because of your faith and believing in God, that God comes through in a powerful way. And sometimes he comes through in just sweet, simple ways when you need it the most. Let me give you a for instance. About 10 years ago, when we were beginning to think about building this building, we purchased the land that the building was on and we began this capital campaign. And it was a a pretty challenging week for me as I began to think about this daunting task of how this group of people were going to be able to pay for this huge building. And we had had our campaign and the building was, the plans were in motion and the, the land was purchased and we were about getting ready to build and and so I remember that week um, thinking about and just this whole process unfolding. It was a very, very, very big adventure. Quite frankly, it was more than what I had ever experienced in trusting God for something like this. And the week prior to that, setting up the messages as we're trying to do for this next stage, I laid out our plan, our hope to reach this community. And I used an illustration. I brought a bunch of golf balls out. And if you've ever golfed and you've ever uh, grabbed cheap golf balls, there's golf balls called X-outs. And you might know what an X-out golf ball is. And so I grabbed all these X-out golf balls that we had collected from the Parmore Golf Course. And, and I shared the analogy that, that all golf balls are valuable. All golf ball, balls have a purpose. And even X-out golf balls are worthy of keeping And then I use the analogy that these X-outs are like us. There's things that we have that people want to push us away or think we're not valuable. And and, and in some form or fashion, classify us as X-outs that we're not the pro V1s like everyone else. Yet God has called us and showed us that all people are valuable and he wants to reach everyone. And so I used a visual illustration of golf balls and X-outs. And so that week I began to pray, Lord, I just... Just continue to confirm in my heart that this path that we're on, that you're going to provide. So I decided that I would come to this property and pray on it. This is before the building was there, and there was alfalfa out in the field, and there was a, a walnut tree over here that people really loved a lot. We cut it down, used it for firewood. I'm glad we did that because it was in the parking lot. It would have been a mess. Another story for another day. Anyhow, um, and so I got in my Jeep, and I was driving to the property, and I pulled out in the middle of the property. I thought, I'm just going to go to the property. I'm just going to kneel down, and I'm going to pray. So I went to the middle of the the grassy area, and I remember walking out and just kneeling down, and I was just, pray, Lord, just, I believe this is what you want us to do, Lord, just, just here with you, just confirm that. And as I was kneeling down, I looked on the ground in front of me, and there was a golf ball there. And I reached over and grabbed this golf ball, and it was an X out golf ball. Only golf ball that was there. There were no other balls on the property at all. It was like God had dropped that golf ball or someone at Clover Trails had decided they would hit one and they said, yeah, hit, a, hit an X out out across there so that I can confirm and show Jim that, hey, I got your back. Today, we're going to see an account of where God steps in in a supernatural way, in a way that Bible even says that nothing has ever been done from this day like this nor since this day, where a man decided that he would trust in his God and make an ask from God, to God, an audacious request where people would roll their eyes and say, are you kidding me? Why would you even ask that? And he experienced something that most only read about. Grab your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. And I'll show you what I mean. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. But turn to Joshua chapter 10, and we're going to read 
verses 1 through 8 to begin. Stand with me and we'll read it out loud together. Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. Joshua 10, verses 1 through 8. Let's read this out loud together. Ready, read. Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmoth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Deber, king of Eglon. Come up and help us me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmoth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. You may have a seat. We're going to see here in a second, in a few minutes, that God is never intimidated by our requests. Never intimidated by our requests. And so If you have something that's on your heart, don't ever think that God somehow says, oh, you're asking for that. And that somehow the three in one together, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit ask this question. You think we can handle that one? Never does God wonder if he can handle a request that you give him. And so don't think that somehow God is intimidated by you going to him and asking him to do something that most would roll their eyes about. Now, just set up this account first. Gibeon is coming to Israel, which is God's people, and asking them to help them fight against these five kings that want to attack them. So they go to Joshua. Gibeon goes to Joshua and said, hey, we're we're about to be ransacked. We're about to get plastered. Can you come help us? They had just made a treaty. In the Old Testament, when you made a treaty, that person became your ally so that if they were attacked, you would bring your men and help them fight this battle. And as you see in this text, Joshua is going to take his best fighting men. But let me give you a little background here, which is significant, that kind of sets the tone that maybe Joshua had a little reservation about doing this. Because the Gibeonites were very deceptive in setting up this treaty just prior to them being attacked by these five kings. Just turn back one chapter and look at Joshua chapter 9. This is the Gibeonites. Look how they deceived Joshua and the Israelites. Look at chapter 9 and verse 3. It says this, however, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. Look what it says. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn out sacks. And what kind of wineskins? What does it say? old wineskins, cracked and what? Mended. They put worn and what kind of patch sandals on? Look, it says on their feet and wore what kind of clothes? What does it say? Old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and what? Moldy. Then they went to Joshua after they had all this done. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, we have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. The Israelites said to the Hivites, but perhaps you live near us. So how can we make a treaty with you? They wanted to make sure that they weren't being deceived. And then they said this, we are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, who are you and where do you come from? They answered, your servants have come from a far distant country. 
because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Sihon, king of Hezbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. And it says, and our elders and all those living in our country said to us, take provisions for your journey and go and meet them and say to us, we are your servants, make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you. But now see how dry and moldy it is. And these wineskins that we filled were new. But see how cracked they are now. And our clothes and sandals are worn out by this very long journey. Verse 14, the Israelites sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of the what? Lord, they didn't ask God if these family, if this group of people were far away. And then verse 15 says, then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were what? Neighbors living near them. They were deceived. This same group now, who came up with this moldy bread, grabbed old wineskins, put on patched clothes, and said, hey, let's go to the Goodwill. Let's get dressed. Let's show up and show Joshua that we're, we're from far away, when in reality, they were just new pairs up against Goshen. But they said, we're far away. We're from the East Coast. And they weren't. They deceived. Now, this very same group, is coming to the Israelites and Joshua and saying, hey, we're being attacked. Now, I suspect, because Joshua was very human, and we're very human, that if he would have acted in flesh, he would say, let him go. But he had signed a treaty, had ratified the oath, and when your word is your bond, you step up and help. So now he's forced into this battle with these five kings that are far away. This battle that he must go into because of a deceptive treaty that was given. So Joshua still has to walk in faith. So before he leaves, it's late evening, and God speaks to him. Look what he says in verses 6 through 8. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us. Because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces with us. So verse 7 says, So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all his best fighting men. But look what the Lord says to him. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. So before he leaves... He's reminded of these truths from God. Now listen, the war is won. The battle is won. Not one of them will be able to withstand. Not one of the five kings in the countries that they're coming from will be able to withstand you. So go and win. Do not be afraid. Step out. I will do for you what only I can do. His faith bank was full of plenty of other faith deposits Just prior to this, the battle of Jericho, where literally he walked around seven times, took a few glass jars, made a shout, and the walls came tumbling down. So prior to this, he had already had these faith deposits where he had asked God to come through. And so these faith deposits were building. So when it had come to this huge battle against five kings, the Lord said, I will be with you. No one will be able to withstand against you. He was reminded of everything that God had done. Now, just so bring it forward to today right now. Sometimes we forget what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God that is about to do this can do it for you. God is never limited by our theology. Now, somehow God doesn't look down and say, you know what? I I, I did that 2,000 years ago. I can't do that now. 
So when he sees us and hears us in our prayers, and we're asking for confidence and boldness and courage and healing, God doesn't say, well, I did that before. I can't do that now. He's never limited by our own limitations. In fact, Hebrews eleven six reminds us, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Joshua is full of courage. So he, he marches out. Verse eight says his whole army marches out. Then it says this in verse nine. After an all night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. He takes him. But look what happens in verse 10. The Lord threw them into confusion, the enemy before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makada. And it says, as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord did what? What's the word? Hurled large what? Hailstones down on them. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of their Israelites. Just visually, just jump into that account for a second if you're Joshua and you're his men. They chased them out. They marched all night. They come to Gibeon. They win the battle. And so the Gibeon. Knights watch them, and the Israelites watch these five kings and their men. They're fleeing. They're running away. They're like, man, people are dead. People are dead. Let's get out of here. But it says that God steps in. Now, just if possible, just, just pull away any human limit. Imagine God himself. It doesn't say that a storm came. It says that God himself hurled hailstones at them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine someone running like, Can you imagine just being Joshua's army, watching this take place? You're like, just, just watch this one. See him? Watch, watch, watch. He just, the Lord himself stepped in and began to hurl hailstones. Why? So that as the enemy was fleeing, they wouldn't be able to run away. He was going to bring a complete annihilation of these people. As they fled, and every time I read that, I ask this question, why did God join in physically on the action? And I ask this question, why don't we let him do that in our lives? Why do we try to figure it all out on our own? Add it up, figure it out, I'll do this. Instead of saying, God, will you fight for me? Uncommon followers taste the miraculous. They expect nothing less than for God to show up big time, and he does. And they refuse to let the voices of the negatives around them stop them. God is able to do things that only others read about. And sometimes he comes in the most opportune times because he loves us. All through scripture, the Bible reminds us, do not fear, do not be afraid of them. I am your God. I am with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. God is with us. And sometimes we need reminded of those things. When I was traveling home from Grace College one time on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, I left late at Grace College and and I was driving back to Maryland. It was uh, after a finals week. And so I was pretty tired and had been up a lot of nights studying Packed up my Mazda RX-7, and I'm heading home to spend time with my family, my mom and my dad and my siblings. And, and I was tired. I'm driving on the, the Pennsylvania Turnbike. And I recall as I was driving, I was getting very tired. So you do what most of us do. What do we do? We wind down the window. We stick our head out the window. Now you buy monster drinks. The only monster drinks I ever drank was the three I had on stage that one time, and I passed out. Remember that? And then I got 17 stitches. I've never had any since. But anyhow, this is before monster drinks. So I did what, you know, trying to keep yourself awake, crank up the music. I'm driving down the road, and it's two in the morning, and next thing I know, I'm I'm waking up, and I had run off the road, and to my left, and if you've ever been through the mountains in the turnpike of Pennsylvania, there's some incredible mountainous places, and to my left was a ravine hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet below me. I remember waking up and realizing I'm going to crash. Brought the vehicle back, 
back end slid around, and I'm going like this on the, the turnpike. I was so shaken by it that I pulled off the side of the road just to grab some fresh air, and I remember looking at the dash on my Mazda RX-7 and looking at the clock, and it said 2.08 or 2.11. I remember the exact time. And I just sat there and I took a breath and just said, thank you, Lord. I got back on the road, wound down every window in my RX-7, cranked up the radio and headed down the road. When I got home, I went up to my room and fell asleep. I got up the next morning. When I got up the next morning, my mom was at the table. And as I came down to the table, she said, hey, Jimmy, tell me about your trip. Like, how was your trip coming home? I said, well, it was, and I remember, I said, well, do you really want to know, Mom? You don't always want to tell moms everything. Do you really want to know, Mom? And she said, yeah. I said, I just about ran off the road and crashed last night. She said, Jimmy, what time was that? I said, I remember exactly, Mom, because I pulled off the road. (laughs) I pulled off the road, and I looked at the clock. It was 2.08, 2.11. And she said, I want to tell you something, Jimmy. She said, the Lord woke me up at 2.08 in the morning. And I woke up straight out of bed, and I said, God, protect Jimmy. I say all that to say this. God is able, God is able to do far more than you ask or imagine and far more than you're asking or imagining. And as I look at this account, I say, you know, that's cool that we get to read about this, but God can do those very things that only some never experience and read about. But God wants to do those things for us too. I've often wondered, as Joshua was walking through this account, I wonder if he said, God, you outdid yourself on this one. <laughs> like, as he's hurling hailstones, as, he's, as he's, he's taken up an unusual, reckless abandon even for Joshua. You would think, that's a good place to end the story. Like, wow, God hurled some hailstones. Like, how many of you like to have some hailstones hurled at God, some of your enemies, huh? Like, God, Monday morning, him. Thanks, God. I mean, you would think the story ends here. I took you down a bad path. Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> but to get to this account, you would think this is it. Like, that's, that's incredible. But it isn't. Joshua, after seeing this, praised the unthinkable. You would have thought that that would have been enough for his day. You would have thought, like, like I'm done. Like, Lord, I know that you told me that, 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 that you would not let one get away, and I see it. You would have thought that he would have ended right here. But, you see, he wasn't like most people. This wasn't the way it was supposed to end. And so then he does the unthinkable. Look at verse 11 as you read on here. It says, we'll read again. It says, as they fled before Israel on the road down to Beth Haran to Asaka, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them and more of them died from the hail. They were killed by the swords. And in verse 12, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord, and then he said it in the what of the Israel. What's it say? So here, here, let me, before we read what he says, think about this. As soon as you put your faith on the line, like it's easy to pray like this. Oh, Lord, I believe that you can do that. And, Lord, I really believe. And so if you would just allow this to happen, God, thank you. And if he never comes through, like, (laughs) no one knew that you were believing that. But he steps out and puts it out out there and says this. He puts it out so everyone can hear. I mean, he's going to look absolutely stupid. But look what he asks. Look what he prays. Verse 12, he says, son, stand what? What's the next word? Still over Gibeon. Now, just pause. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine someone in our day walking out and saying, Son, stand still over Goshen. He speaks it out in prayer. Now, can you imagine the people rolling their eyes? Are you kidding me, Josh? That's never happened before. Are you kidding? You think God can do that? But he doesn't stop there. He says, Son, stand still over Gibeon. And you, moon, over the valley. Of Agilon. You see, prayer like this changes us. Faith changes situation. And the minute we speak it, our faith is put on the line. So he puts it out there. You know, God, God is so good. And he can do things. Sometimes we don't even give him a chance. 
Like he even likes, I've been trying to show you the simple things. We were in, in, in Fort Myers Beach uh, two spring breaks ago. And if you've ever been to Fort Myers Beach, when you go into Florida, you go over the bridge and there's about 10,000 people on the beach and there's about 350 parking places. Seriously, that's what it feels like. And so every car goes over the bridge and you make a hard right and there's this one like parking place that all the cars line up. And you do what most do. You just keep moving. You know, just keep going like this. Kind of like a grace community till you find one. And you just keep moving. And then, and then you get back in line and you come again. And so we're, we're ready to pull in this parking lot. And we got there. It was about 1130. It was noon. And I said, hey, guys, let's just pray. Because cars just kept coming out. Traffic was backed up for 800 miles for this parking lot. And I said, let's just pray. Let's just pray that God, give us a spot. Just give us one. So we're riding along, and you know, you know how people stall in front of you because they see a, a, a light, and you know, they stall, and then someone tries to block, and so I'm just patiently, you're just hoping, you're looking, the whole family's looking, windows out, dogs out looking, everyone's you know, trying, trying to find a parking place. And, and we, we pulled into this parking area, and kid me, I'm, I'm kidding you at all. This vehicle that had no reverse lights, didn't work, was backing up. Can you see reverse lights you just hit, don't you? Pulled right out, we pulled right in, and we walked right to the beach. Now, why do I tell you that? God can even take care of a beach parking spot if you ask him. But Joshua was saying, Lord, hey, if, if, if you're able, I believe, can you like give us three more hours of sunlight? Because we don't want any of them to get away. He speaks it out loud. So what happens? Well, let's just see what happens. Verse 13. So the sun stood what? What's it say? And the moon what? Till the nations avenge itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jasher, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. And there has never been a day like it before or since. Now look what it says. A day when the Lord listened to a what? Human being. Don't you love that? Like There hasn't been a day since that the Lord has listened to a human being, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And then Joshua returned with all of Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Now listen to me. I know this doesn't make sense scientifically, and, 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 and maybe the skeptic in you wants to say, oh, I, that, that, that could never happen. And some of you say, yeah, I've heard they proved it, but, but even if they haven't proved it, if the Bible says it happened, it happened. Amen. And I don't know how it happened. But all I know this is <laughs> the sun stood still. And these this, this enemies, these five kings thought they would cover in darkness. And they thought, if we could just get another hour and it would be dark, let's hide. And they kept thinking, if it would just get another hour. Can you imagine running? Why isn't it getting dark? Can you see them running? Where, where, where? Where, why is that sunlight still up there? And they're huffing and they're puffing. Like, it should be dark now. What time is it? They got their sundials out. What time is it? Why did God do that? Because a man stood up and didn't put any limits on God. He said, God, I believe. And I'm tired of reading about it. I want to experience it. And listen, I'm not putting any boxes on you. And I'm just a human being like everyone else. So God, you created the heavens and earth. And Jesus, <laughs> listen, you were resurrected from the dead on the third day. And you were born as a virgin. If you can do that, surely you can stop that son. <laughs> and he believed. And he experienced something that has never been done since that time. Mark eleven twenty three tells us that, that tell you the truth, if anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for them. He was willing to make the ask. When I was a young man, about 20 years old, I was chasing after Jesus, trying to follow Jesus and find next steps for me. And I found myself connected to this group of people that were, um, had a prayer encounter. And I had a friend by the name of RJ. He was a new believer that had come to Christ through a ministry that we had college and career fellowship. And he had a mom that had cancer. And so we had been praying for his mom that God would heal her of her cancer. 
We also knew that his mom was unsaved. And so we have been praying, Lord, connect the dots for her so that she can see that there's a God so that she comes to Christ. And so RJ would give us reports back to us. And from weekly, he would say, hey, I've been sharing with my mom. I know my mom, been caring about my mom. And so one Wednesday night, he said that his mom was willing to come to this prayer encounter at this church that we were at. Because she was basically at the bottom rung, trying everything, and she was wanting to have healing to this cancer. So I was there, and RJ came, and his mom came to this prayer meeting. I remember sitting there thinking, this could be the night. Like, this could be the night that, that, that his mom finds Jesus. So they did what most churches do, not us. We pray our requests out. We don't take them. And as, 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 as they were giving requests, this request came. RJ said, I'd like to pray for my mom. She has cancer. I would like for us to pray that God would heal her of this cancer. And so the requests were given, and finally people were praying for different things, and then finally his mom came up. And what happens, what can often happen in prayer, is that people began to dance around all these things. They began preaching to Jesus what he already knows and who he is, and telling a sermon about, Lord, we know that you're able, but we know that if you don't want to. And so all these preface words before they would call out and ask Jesus to heal RJ's mom. And no one that night just flat out prayed, Lord, heal her. Just heal her. Son, stand still. RJ told me later as his mom left, he went back home, and I asked him, I said, what was it like for your mom coming? He said, here's what my mom said. She asked this. She said, RJ, you believe in God, don't you? Yeah, I believe in God. Do you believe God can heal? Yes, mom. Do those people believe that? And he says, um, she says, here's why. She says, when you ask them to pray for me, no one would just ask God to just heal me. She says, why would I want to trust in the God where his people won't even make the ask? Now, see here, let me pull away and say this. I understand that we just don't, step out and, 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 and require God to do things. But why is it that before we just make the ask, why don't, the Bible says just, we have not because we ask not. Why is it that we have to say, God, well, you're this God of this dispensation. I know it was different in the Old Testament and, and the New Testament and the silent years, but I know that God somehow, that, this, that, 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 that you're capable, but I know we live in a different time. So why don't we just say, Lord, heal her. Because it's up to God and not to us if he chooses to. Joshua wasn't afraid to look stupid. He made an audacious request in front of these people. Doesn't our Bible say that with God, nothing is impossible? Who is willing to ask God for the unthinkable? Well, he was, because as we just read, verse 14, there has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Can you imagine the rumblings in the camp that morning? As they come back, and they weren't even in Alaska. It wasn't even 24 hours of light. Like, it was, can you imagine, like, did you guys know like it's been two days <laughs> that we've been gone? Yeah, check the sundown. It has been, and there hasn't been darkness. What the world just happened? And someone said, hey, remember when Joshua stood up and asked, sun, stand still, moon, stop. God was good on his word. You know, as we walk through this next journey, there are people who want to roll their eyes at us, wanting and longing to reach 150,000 people in Elkhart County. There are some people that think that's an audacious request, and there are some people thinking that this step in phase two, like that's so huge. But here's what I know. God wants us to step out in faith, and God wants us to make the ask because he loves those people that are far from God and he is willing to use a group of people who are willing to do whatever it takes to reach them. That's us. Watch this video and I'll share more candidly why I believe that. 
Hey, Pastor Jim here. Uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to this video. And I just want to stop and just say I'm grateful to be your pastor. It's a privilege uh, to serve with you and alongside of you. And we really wouldn't be Grace Community Church without you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. My wife and I appreciate your love for us and our family. And uh, it's been an amazing 20 years here at Grace, uh, but we're not finished yet. And part of that is uh, we still have some people to reach in Elkhart County. But I'm grateful that God has lined us up, you and me and us together uh, as this team to be able to reach our community. We know there's some scripture, but it's often good to be reminded of it. God sent his son Jesus, and why did he send his son? And his mission was to seek and save lost people. And what an incredible gift that was. I mean, I'm a recipient of Christ, you're a recipient of Christ, and uh, had it not been for Christ, we all would be headed to hell. And so that's in our DNA. Our DNA is to reach people that are lost. And uh, in fact, most of us would do anything to reach our child if they were lost. Imagine this for uh, a second. Imagine if your child, in my case, Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah, or your grandchildren, were lost. They went on a hiking trip, and they were up in this mountain. And uh, when they left, um, you thought they were in good hands. They had all the supplies that they needed. But one day went to two days, and three days went to four, and you hadn't heard from them. And you realized that um, they, they were lost. And uh, you knew that you needed to get help to them, but you didn't know how to do it. And you weren't personally equipped to hike a mountain or to, to climb through a ravine or um, to, to risk your own life to get to them, but you were willing to do whatever it took. And so you put this prayer request out in your church and you said, hey, our kids have been lost and you're desperate and you're just, you, you're trying anything to reach them. And so this prayer request goes out. Suppose for uh, this story that someone comes and knocks on your door and, and says, hey, I, I read the email, I saw the uh, social media post, and I just want to let you know that, hey, I, I feel what you're feeling, I just want to let you know, if, if there's anything I can do, let me know, and, and, and they leave. Uh, suppose in the same day, uh, an hour later, someone else knocks on your door and says, man, I, I see your child, they're, they're lost, and I can't imagine what you're experiencing, it's like, man, I can't, I, I know you're losing sleep, and we love your kids too, and, and we're willing to do whatever it takes to find your child. We will bring your child out of their dead or alive. In your mind, as you hear those two people coming to your door, which, which person um, grabs your attention? Um, most likely the second person. But then that person says this, we have all the abilities to do that, but we don't have the resources. But if you resource us, if you buy us ATVs, if you provide them the medical supplies, we'll bring the medics. If you give us um, the ropes, we know how to use them. And if you have the money and resources to supply us, we'll bring your child back. We'll find your lost child. Well, if you're like me, I would give everything. I, Ann and I would sell the house. I, I would live in a tent to rescue my kids. Uh, I, I would just do that. Um, they're near and dear to me. And in that case, I would take everything I had. I would scrape every penny I had, and I would buy ATVs. I would buy medics and supplies, and I would do everything I can to resource that group because they told me they were willing to do whatever it took to reach lost people. Now, I often wonder this. As God looks down at the church in our world, and he sees all the lost people, all his lost kids all over the world, do you think God looks down and says, I'm going to resource a church that isn't willing to do whatever it takes, but I'm willing to resource that church to do whatever it takes. I believe God does that. I believe he resources churches with people like you, uh, people who are willing to sacrifice. And not only does he, I pray that, that we're always that church. I pray that we're always that church that has people that have all kinds of gifts and abilities and have a heart for lost people. Because if we don't have a heart for reaching lost people, then why in the world do we exist? That's the heart of our Savior. With that being said, we live in a community that has 200,000 people. And it disturbs me when I, I say this. 150,000 people are unchurched. It would say, I don't have a home church. Majority of those are lost people. And so when I hear that, we have a mission. We should be reaching them. And so many of you have been reached by 
people here at Grace Community Church. Many of you have had the privilege of sitting in a Sunday school classroom or a kid's city or a camp or maybe even a, a fight club or remarkable women or, 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 or youth and children's ministry or maybe even a Sunday morning and you've heard the good news. We have many stories like that. Let me just back up. Some of you don't know the story of Grace Community. This, this has kind of been the fabric of Grace Community for, for many, many years. Um, I, when Ann and I began 20 years ago, we, we began um, in, in a small church on Clinton Street. And uh, boy, I, I thought I knew a lot more than I know now. Um, but what I did know when I met these people, that they were willing to do, 64 of them, they were willing to do whatever it took to reach their community. And they took a chance on me and my wife, and uh, we're grateful for that. And But they were willing. We're going to do whatever it takes. And this small group of people became a group of people that got on mission. Uh, God developed leaders, and our hearts were ripped open for our lost community. And as a result of that, this small community began to grow because they had a heart for lost people. And these people began coming to grace, and people were getting saved. And before we knew it, this small church building was, was just overflowing with people, and we were facing a crossroad. We couldn't continue to do ministry there. It, we were parking three rows deep in the grass. We were running out of uh, uh, worship service space. And so we made a commitment and a, a pledge to our people and asked them if they would be willing to sacrifice and to build a new building so that we could reach more people in Elkhart County. What God did next, quite frankly, is, is a, a modern-day miracle. 250 people that would call Grace Community their home at that time sacrifice. Some gave up their vacations. We had people who sold their second cars. We had people who decided not to buy vacation homes. They sacrificed and gave above their regular giving. And we began a capital campaign for a $3 million building. It's the building that you're setting in on Sunday mornings. Um, we had a desire. That was a big, big step of faith. 250 people made a commitment to a three-plus million dollar campaign to build the building that you get to worship in on Sunday morning. As a result of that, we moved into the middle school, um, Goshen Middle School. We had our Sunday morning services there, and we, we continued to worship. We had people who sacrificed every Sunday, setting up and tearing down. Uh, we met in Model Middle School for our children's ministries and Wednesday night prayer encounter. We met in New Paris, Old New Paris Elementary for our youth ministries on Wednesday night. We met in Dr. Boyce's uh, doctor office for our offices. We were in four different places. People sacrifice so that you today can experience what you're experiencing. On our first Sunday in the new building, we had 1,257 people on Easter Sunday. I, I remember leaving that Sunday. Tons of people came to Christ that Sunday and looking at my wife and thinking and saying, we're not big enough. <laughs> I remember thinking, holy cow, do you mean we just built this building and there's not enough space? And to be quite frank, there wasn't. We went to two services. Um, in a matter of two years, we, we knew that we needed more space. And two years later, we began another uh, uh, addition. The Link, the children's ministry on the back, the West Fourier, new parking. And once again, we went to the people and we said, um, some, some had just previously sacrificed and we're asking them again to give. We still have run out of space. There's still people to reach. And so we had another capital campaign. And that time around, a thousand people uh, decided they would sacrifice again. And we added a $3.3 million addition, um, the length, the four-year, and we saw more people reached. And the reality is this, we're at a crossroads again. And so here I am again, um, this is 2016, nine years later, and saying uh, the same problem exists. People need to be reached. Uh, 150,000 people are unchurched. 200,000 people live in Elkhart County. Somebody's husband, somebody's wife, uh, somebody's child, uh, maybe your grandchild, somebody's brother and sister, uncle or aunt is out there in this community and they need Jesus and uh, they need to be reached. And uh, I think God wants us to be those people. And I think he wants you uh, to be that person, that family that would be willing to reach them. Besides, what if someone didn't sacrifice in the past? You might not have come to a saving knowledge of Christ. You wouldn't be enjoying this ministry called Grace Community Church and you wouldn't be growing in your faith had it not been for people who sacrificed before. So we feel compelled. Here we are again. And in some ways, it's like, wow, here we go again. <laughs> um, it's a daunting challenge. 
but we know that as long as we have breath, that God wants us to have his DNA. We need more space to reach more. We are overflowing in our services. If you've walked into our services, our primetime spots, you, you've noticed that the link and, and the main is full. You recognize that if you've dropped off your children, your babies, you realize that there are, there are babies. We have great staff, that there are children, infants, and uh, we can't add families. There's no way we could add any more families to our services until we have more space for our children's ministries. Our children's ministries are overflowing. Plus, we long to be a place that reach people no matter what it takes. And so we always want to have an arm of outreach. Like we always want to be that church that is willing, when Paul said in, in, in the New Testament, uh, to become all things to all men so that we can reach all men. And so we recognize that we have a, a prime time to be able to reach people in our community. So one of the things we're going to do in this edition is we are going to add a large uh, playland, play place that's going to be on the west foyer side of, of our building. This is a place where mothers or dads or, or single moms or single dads can bring their children. It's a playland that is suited for 160 kids. So you can come in and in the heart of the winter, uh, maybe when there's a school has been canceled or delayed, you can come and drop your kids off. You can sit in this area and drink a coffee and you can interact with people from the community that are using this playland. It'll be clean and bacteria free and we'll keep it clean for you. It'll be a place that's state of the art and, and then there'll be an event room in there where you can have birthday parties. But we want that to bring people in. We always want our building to be used. We don't want it to be a mansion. We want it to be a place where people come to. We also recognize that our our junior high and our senior high kids, uh, ministry, youth ministries with, with Pastor Jordan, deserve their own place that they can worship in. They have went from the 56th Street room, it, they ran out of space, and then we moved them into the gym, and then Wednesday nights they used the gym and the link, but they don't have a place to call home. And we, we recognize that youth love community. They love a place to call their own. And so in this new addition, which would be roughly 24,000 square feet, our kids, our youth, are going to have we're going to have a junior high and a senior high, a two-story, their own place to worship in, which is exciting. We're also going to have an additional space, an addition added for our tiny town, for our children and infants, um, a, a space for them. We're going to add new office space. Um, <laughs> if you've ever been in our offices, they're pretty crammed. We're not complaining, but for additional hires, uh, we're going to relocate our store uh, to the north foyer. Uh, because we're going to bring our children's new children's ministry infant wing through where the store is at now. We're going to add more parking. Some of you might be saying, praise God for that. And by the way, just, just a word to our parking crew. Thank you. You stand out in all the weather. Um, I, we, we couldn't do it without you. And for some of you, this might be the best news that you heard. We are paving our entrance. Uh, I can hear the, the sighs of relief and I can see the smiles on the other side of this camera. No more white stripes on the side of your vehicles. And uh, can I get a hallelujah out there? Uh, <laughs> in addition to that, uh, we also just recently purchased the lodge in Syracuse. We want to reach farther and deeper into the community. And we long for that place uh, to, to be a place where people come to refresh, refuel, and come alive. In addition to that, if you've been there, you notice that there's some lodges, separate lodges on the property. We want to renovate all of those lodges. We want those to become a place where you can have small group meetings. There can be a retreat for you, a kitchen in the center with his and hers housing on both sides. Um, renovate those up. And, and, and to be quite frank, uh, the state has come through and those areas can no longer be used for um, housing kids because... Um, because of the condition they're in. So we need it. We have some camps that come in there. People from our community use that. And uh, so we'll even be adjusting our services. We recognize that a prime time is good. We'll be bumping up the time of our first service and moving back just a little, the second service, so that all three of our services are prime time spots. So we'll be making some adjustments there. But here's the reality. This is a great plan. And I believe this really will reach people. We can't do it without you. Um, I can't do it without you. Uh, we can't do it without you. So think about this. One day down the road, someone will stand up. Maybe you'll be long and gone. And, um, it's important to me that someday down the road, from a legacy perspective, that maybe Grace Community Church name gets mentioned um, because they love people. They love Jesus and they love their community. That's my hope. But one day down the road, maybe some 
adult will stand and say, you know, I am so grateful for you, for Grace Community, for sacrificing. And because of you, my family came to know Christ, I came to know Christ, and I'm headed to heaven because of you. My marriage was saved. Um, I was, I was, I am addiction free now. And because of this group of people who are willing to set aside some things that they wanted to do, my life has changed forever. That's my hope, and I believe that can happen if we're willing to sacrifice. There's no greater investment than internal investment. You can bank and you can put money into all kinds of things. There's no better investment than investing in a soul for the kingdom. This project roughly costs about $4 million. And uh, we have two phases. Phase one is $4 million. And we have a, a second phase ready, too, that will be an additional worship center. But for this phase here, phase one is about $4 million. This campus and down at the lodge. But if God were to move in someone's heart, and uh, I always believe that your vision, you should have a vision in hand that someone felt moved by God to give towards that you would say, here's how you can give. If someone would move and, and uh, say, hey, I have this resource I love to give, and we collected an unbelievable amount of resources, we would move to phase two. So here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to join my family because we're sacrificing too. I'm asking you to give to this exciting venture. And I'm asking you to get off the bus in 2017 and get in the game so that 150,000 people can be reached. Listen, if we don't reach them, who will? One day down the road, there will be a story told about someone who says, you know, I was lost, but there was this rescue team from Grace Community Church that came after me and didn't even know me. And I am so grateful that they did whatever it took to reach me. So I ask you to pray about it. I ask you to join in. May this be the most exciting thing that happens in 2017 in our community as we take the heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we seek and save the lost. Thanks. God bless you. Would you stand with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, that's, that's our hope. That's our desire. That's, that's what we believe you called us to do. And we're the ones that get to do it. And, and I do look forward to the day down the road, God, when someone who is far from God, the unconvinced, uh, someone who doesn't know you, gets a tap on the shoulder, gets an invite, gets picked up, gets connected to grace, and in turn comes to know you as their personal Savior. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts in such a way that we would know exactly what it is, our responsibility in this. And God, I pray that you would move in a powerful way because we believe, God, that you're able. We just looked at an account where you did things that haven't been done since. But you still want to do those things, God. And we have an audacious ask. Lord, we long to add this addition. God, we long to be a church that's reaching the community. And we need you, God. We believe it's possible. We believe that you are God the Father. And we believe with you nothing is impossible. And so, God, we even articulate that even now as we sing this song. We believe, God. So go before us and lead us and let us be that rescuing team that brings one more to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, grab a seat real quick. We're going to wrap up our service today with just some great information. What a great, what a great song and a great anthem about what we believe. And what I love about this series over the last month and a half or so that we've been in the last two months is we, God has given us some tremendous opportunities to actually act on what we say we believe. And to, and to put faith into action. And uh, this, this, uh, th- this whole series is about that. And we have a great opportunity next week. Next week is Pledge Sunday, where we are going to, uh, be- uh, as a church family, bring our pledges, what we think God wants us to give towards this campaign. This is a great opportunity for us to put into action 
what we're singing about, what we say we really believe. And, and uh, I love that we get to do that. In your bulletin today, what a great piece here about the state of the church. This is in your bulletin today. And just is able to see what God has done over the last year in so many amazing ways. So take a look at that sometime today and read through those and uh, praise the Lord for that, for what he's doing through Grace Community Church. Some really exciting things about uh, how many mission partners we partner with around the world, over 32. How many people went on mission trips last year? How much was given towards mission? How many people were reached uh, through the Boys and Girls Club? Great, great, great piece there. And uh, you'll definitely want to take a moment to to read through that and and praise the Lord because of that. So if you have yet to get to an info huddle, this is the last week to get to them because next Sunday is when we're pledging, okay? We have one tonight at 6 p.m. here at Grace. We have child care. We have child care all week long for our info huddles. We have one tonight at 6 p.m., we have one tomorrow night at 7 p.m., Monday. We have one Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, if that works better for you. That's the only one we don't have child care for. Uh, and then Thursday night, we have one at 7 p.m. And, uh, and then Saturday morning, we have two more. And so that's it. So these five or six that are left are our last opportunities for you to be able to go to these info huddles, get the information that you want, and then be able to ask questions. And let me just stop and say that we have loved the questions that you have asked. It's been so great to have so many people coming through our info huddles. Hundreds of people have come through those. And thank you so much for the feedback and for the questions that you're asking and the, and the insight that you're giving us as a church leadership team. Um, it's been so great to partner with you through this whole process. You'll probably remember a year and a half ago, two years ago, when we took surveys and we were able to get information. All the stuff that we're building, that we're doing, that we think is from the Lord, was, was from information that you have given us along the way. That our ministry leaders who are on the ground doing ministry have given us along the way. It's been so great to have that feedback and that information. Thank you so much um, for your questions and for what you've asked. So get to one of those info huddles. You can even get there um, tonight if you want to come to that one. But get on the website and sign up. Let us know that you're coming so we can make sure we have enough child care and and enough space um, for you. We passed these out last week. These are the pledge cards. And so next week, the plan is for you to bring these back. And again, just really quickly, number one, line number one, this is what you're able to give next week. We're going to be taking an offering next week towards the capital campaign to get us started. Line number two says, in addition, over the next three years, this is how much I pledge to give. And that's a faith pledge. That's believing um, for God to come through. And and, uh, Jim has just done a great job of sharing the last couple of weeks vision about how God, we need to trust God. And if we're not pledging with faith, if we can figure out how we're going to give, what we're going to give, then there's no faith at all. We're not trusting God at all. We, we can do this by ourselves, but that's not, that's not how it is. We want God to be a part of this. So when you come, and then number three is you total those together. Next week, when you come, we're going to give you one of these envelopes, okay? You don't have these yet. These aren't in your packet, but you're going to get one of these next week when you come. And when you come next week, you'll just transfer those three numbers right here on the front of this when you get that, all right? You'll stick your pledge card inside of it. You'll also stick your offering inside of it so it's all together. If you give through offering envelopes, which I hope you do, um, you can do that as well. Just put that offering envelope inside of there so you can give your regular offerings, your regular tithes. We'll put that into that fund. But then um, you'll also be able to give towards the building. Remember, on your offering envelopes, there's a line that says capital campaign over the next three years. That's how you'll give specifically to this when you give on top of your regular tithes and offerings. So we'll give those out next week. Um, today, as you walk out, um, we are going to be, ha- we have some of people from our vision team. So if you're here, guys, in the link or you're here in the main, would you walk to the doors back on the back hubs um, by the back or where those are? We have packets that we want to give you. So if you've not gone to an info huddle yet to get one of these, we want you guys to walk out. This has the information in here that you need. So grab one of them. If you have a quick question, they could try to answer that for you. So those are there. We also are giving you guys banks. We have these these banks right here, which are really uh, helpful for you as a family, especially. So you'll talk about the campaign and get your kids involved. But uh, you can use this practice to collect over the, over the um, three years and then, you know, kind of give every once in a while, empty it out, or just have your kids plugged into it. Um, and so that's what that's for. So they have those banks for you. They have those packets for you. We want to give those to you today um, if you've yet to get one. So make sure that you uh, grab that. <clears throat> this Wednesday is a really big day. Um, we're, we're, we're asking our church family to take that day to fast and to pray for what God's going to do. Next Sunday is a really big day in our church's history. We believe right across church, just like Jim shared about the different times in our church's history where we, if we didn't do something, we weren't, we weren't going to grow anymore. We, we have no more space to reach people. And we believe that we're there right now again. 
And so we, we can't look back and say, well, we've done our part. We have to look forward and say, no, God has more for us. This is a chance for you and I to be a part of the story that God wants to write. We hear, we hear Jim tell the stories. We hear other people tell the stories who have been along the journey along the way. We get to be a part of this new season of stories. So in 10 years and in 15 years and in 20 years, we'll say, look at what God did. When we stepped out in faith and when we got in the game, look at what God did. And we'll have stories to tell about how he came through for, for us. And so we want you to be a part of that. So this Wednesday, we're asking our church to fast and to pray about this, about this campaign specifically. And then come to Wednesday night prayer encounter for, for a wrap-up of that day of prayer and fasting that we're going to be doing as a church family, okay? So that's this Wednesday. And then next Sunday, um, you get to come and be a, part of, uh, be a part of pledging. Let me see if I missed anything else. Listen, our goal is 100% participation from our church because we can't do it without you. We want this to be something that we do together. And so I'm really excited about how this is bringing our church together, unifying us for a purpose and putting us on mission to serve the Lord. All right, this is gonna be a great week. All right, as we wrap up, next Sunday is gonna be a great celebration. You'll wanna come back next Sunday at the end of third service around one o'clock, 1.30, something like that. And we'll have counted the pledges throughout the day. We'll keep that a secret, first service, second service. And at the end of the third service then, we'll meet outside on the land that we're gonna be building on and we'll have a celebration time and we'll there be able to announce what came in in an offering and what also was pledged for the next three years. Okay, and so that's gonna be a great day. Make sure you come back for that to be a part of it. Lord Jesus, we we love you. God, thank you for um, our church and thank you for our leadership team and thank you for the opportunity that we have, God, to be on mission together. Thanks for this great community that you have given us. Lord, we live in a, in a great place to raise families. And God, right now we have a tremendous economy that is just booming. And Lord, those are the kind of things, a great community and a booming economy that can lull us into thinking that everybody that I know is okay. And Lord, everybody that we know is not okay. Lord, people need a savior. People need you. My friends need you. My neighbors need you. My coworkers need you. My family needs you. If a person has a, has, has a great job and a great home and, and, and maybe a seemingly great life, but they don't have Jesus, God, they don't have anything. And so God, I pray that kind of thinking, that kind of tunnel vision, that kind of crystal clear vision that would just come on to every single one of us this week, Lord, as we look to the future and, and think about and pray about what our role is gonna be in this campaign. Lord, people need you. God, I pray that you would continue to give us that vision as a church. Thank you for what you've done. These numbers that we're gonna celebrate today, we praise you for that. But Lord, we also look forward to the future and what you're gonna do. And we act with faith this next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you guys next week. We love you. See you next Sunday.